Welcome to the Dog Show with Julie Forbes. I am uh, so excited to be here today and so excited to play for you after this uh, live introduction, um, one of my favorite interviews, one of my favorite guests over the years is uh, Susan Fixton, who's the founder and um, operator of a website called truthaboutpetfood.com. And she um, has done and continues to do a lot of really great work around pet food and the pet food industry and really keeping the pet food industry on its toes. Um, she wrote a book called Buyer Beware, which is an excellent book. Definitely recommend it if you haven't read it. And I interviewed her um, a little while back about her book and about pet food industry and regulations. And um, it's a really uh, important and interesting interview and really important that the general public get educated about this kind of thing and that um uh, you know, power, uh, knowledge is power and really, really important in industries that tend to be very misleading. So excited to play that for you today. Uh, before we get going with that, though, want to just let you know about some events that are coming up. I have a lot of great stuff. Um, Issaquah Salmon Days is October 4th and 5th in Issaquah, Washington, which is just east of Seattle. And it's a two-day event, uh, 10 to 6, both days. And Puget Sound Dock Dogs will be there. It's uh, sort of a, a sport called dock diving. And um, Dock Dogs is a national organization. Puget Sound Dock Dogs is the local chapter. And uh, they are doing an event at Issaquah Salmon Days. And they have dogs that run on a long, like a 40-foot dock and jump into a pool of water that they bring in and fill up. It's a gigantic pool of water, probably about 40 feet long as well. And they um, have a few different events where they judge the dogs based off of how far they've jumped or how high they've jumped. And I will be emceeing for them for this event. And it's such a blast. So do come by and say hi to us. Um, Issaquah Salmon Days, October 4th and 5th. Also, October 23rd, I'm giving a talk at Natural Pet Pantry called The Art of Nonverbal Communication with Your Dog. So over the past uh, 12 years, I've been working in the Seattle area doing um, dog training and behavior um, consultations, working with both dogs and their people. And I've learned a lot. The dogs have taught me a lot and my clients have taught me a lot. And one of the things that I love the most about the work that I do is really bridging the human and the dog um, in communication and dogs being nonverbal creatures um, in order for us to learn how to effectively communicate with our dogs. We have to learn and be really keenly aware of our nonverbal communication. And well, what does all that mean? Because it's more than just how you hold your shoulders. <laughs> um, there's a, actually a lot to it. It brings up a lot of opportunity for some really interesting conversation. And I'm giving a talk about this on October 23rd at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland. It will be Thursday night, 7 p.m. Um, do RSVP. If you'd like to attend, you can email Randy at naturalpetpantry.com. That's R-A-N-D-I at naturalpetpantry.com. This is a free talk. 
Um, but we do ask that you RSVP because there um, is a limited amount of space, and that way you'll be sure to have your seat reserved. So, again, that's Thursday, October 23rd at 7 p.m. at the Natural Pet Pantry in Kirkland in their lovely space. I'm giving a talk, The Art of Nonverbal Communication with Your Dog, to RSVP and reserve your spot. It's Randy, R-A-N-D-I, at naturalpetpantry.com, or you can call the store, 425 739 Four seven three eight, and then uh, last but certainly not least, um, October, uh, November twenty second is our actually November nineteenth Wednesday is uh, the dog show with Julie Forbes three hundredth episode, which is awesome. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can believe it, but it's uh, definitely a milestone. So we are having a big party to celebrate that November twenty second, which is Saturday also at the Natural Pet Pantry's wonderful space in Kirkland. It's in the same shopping center as PCC in Kirkland. There's plenty of parking. There's going to be lots of space in there. We're going to have a DJ. We're going to have um, food and wine and all sorts of great giveaways. And the theme is really fan appreciation. So there's going to be a lot of my friends, family, clients, colleagues, um, a lot of people from the local industry, and I really hope that a lot of fans who just listen to the show come and celebrate the show. Um, definitely theme fan appreciation. So if you're listening to the show, you're invited. So please do come. Uh, and that is, again, November 22nd, Saturday. So mark your calendar for that. More details to come there, too. And um, I am excited. I'm headed out a little bit off the grid starting tomorrow with my dogs and headed out to the country. I have a friend that has some acreage out in northeastern Washington State, so that'll be awesome. Have some quality time with my dogs and unplug and slow down and get present. Sometimes it's nice for the dogs to put away their smartphones and their tablets. <laughs> I and know. Their I keep telling them, put the phones down. TVs and all that stuff yeah. and just get back in touch with their That's wild right. inner side. Unplug. Right? It's hard for them sometimes. Yeah. Unplug and unleash. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy my interview with Susan Thixton. She's the author of Buyer Beware, and we'll be back next week live Wednesday at 2. So I'd like to bring Susan Thixton on the show because we can waste no time today. Welcome to the Dog Talk Show, Susan. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming back. You were here last September, and we had listeners call in and read their um, pet food list of ingredients the first five or so ingredients to you and you sort of decoded or deciphered. Um, <laughs> I, I like the decoding part. Yeah. That's good terminology. Yeah. And it was a re- it was a great show, you know, very, very uh, educational, very beneficial um, and and just a great show. And you have a book out that I'm thrilled about. And I've been kind of talking and been making noise about this book for a while ever since it came out. It's called Buyer Beware. The Crimes, Lies, and Truth About Pet Food. And, of course, your website is www.truthaboutpetfood.com. And I originally wanted to, to, I mean, certainly we're talking about some material in the book, but the book is basically a sort of a, you, you're, you've sort of put together, you know, a lot of the information that you've come across over the years into this book. Um, but you also have a great um, newsletter and lots of articles that you've written and um, we're just going to get to the first part of the book today, and then hopefully we'll have you back um, in the near future sometime to uh, talk more about what's in this book, because there's just so much information. But I wanted to start this show talking about 
where you start with the book, which I think is a great place to talk about in educating people about pet food, which is about the label labeling and regulations. But first, will you p- just tell us a little bit about how you got your start in this, um, you know, doing what you're doing now? I, I learned a hard lesson I, in in your very beginning of the show, talking about it's personal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It became personal to me when um, one of my dogs died. Bone cancer, this was 20 years ago, and my veterinarian who knew more about pet food 20 years ago uh, than than many, many vets, if not most vets, know today, uh, he knew more, and he shared with me that the chemical preservative in her food which was the leading dog food in the country at the time, still one of the top pet food producers in the world, um, the chemical preservatives in that food was more than likely responsible for her cancer. Mm. And this dog died at eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he explained that the chemical preservatives are there to extend the shelf life of mm-hmm. the food. And at the time, I was very naive, it did not have really a good understanding of you know, chemicals, shelf life, what's shelf life. Uh, But I called the pet food company, Mm -hmm. and what they told me changed my life. They told me that this food's shelf life, how long it would stay fresh, was 25 years. Yeah. And, you know, from then on, (laughs) I have my dad at the time helped me, um, you know, he had textbooks that he loaned me, and anybody I could stop long enough to learn from. The Internet now is just a, a great resource, but as much as I can learn, uh, we all continue to learn. Yeah. So, 25 years. It's over. Yeah, in that, in that <laughs> three, more than three times longer than my dog lived. Yeah, I know. Our dog food would stay fresh. Right, yeah, real fresh. Yeah, no extra charge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the so I've been working in the pet, you know, my expertise is in training behavior and to some extent the pet food industry. I've been uh, kind of sniffing around myself um, ever since actually it started when I when I first moved out here when I was in my apprentice program almost 10 years ago um, for dog training and behavior. I was working at All the Best Pet Care, which is now one of the sponsors of the show, and uh the education that I got there kind of clued me into the that there was a lot to know about the world of pet food and the pet food industry, and that when it was bad, it was real bad. And um, and so ever since then, I've just been interested and passionate because I take it personally too. Um, if there's anything I'm protective of, it's my dogs. I don't know that I'm protective of anything else more in the world than my dogs. I don't have children, so don't mess with them and don't mess with their health and don't lie to me about what's in the food if it's going to harm them. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. <laughs> I, I understand. Yeah. I, yeah. So, so the part I think that, you know, there's so much to it. There's the ingredients that they use, which is an issue. Um, and that's a can of worms. And, um, <laughs> Going to pun intended Probably for be that healthier one. Healthier right. if it was yeah. a can of worms in many <laughs> cases, right? Be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's the ingredients, and that's a problem. And but the main thing that really bothers me 
is, that, that I just find to be such an injustice is the labeling and regulations because they're not saying what is in the food. Like, okay, fine. If you're going to use, you know, like, so worst case scenario, if you're going to use potentially, you know, meat that's come from animals that have been euthanized or even potentially euthanized pets, you should have to say it on the front of the bag in bold print very clearly because people should know what they're buying. Especially, should they should know what they're feeding their pets, who they love as family members. Uh, well, you know, if you take it one step further, using uh, condemned meat, okay, meat that would not be um, animals that have not died by slaughter. Right. That is federal law. Federal law yep. for any food, not just human food. Food under federal law is designed is defined as anything consumable by humans and animals. Mm-hmm. So right off the get go, there is blatant violation of federal law, uh, and and then you take it the step further in okay, here's a violation of federal law, and then they don't they're not honest about it. You right. know, uh, it, it's. It's mind-boggling. It's truly, if if your listeners, some of your listeners, if this is the first time they've heard this, they're going, oh, come on. That that couldn't be true. Yeah. But it is. All the evidence is, is on the FDA website. Yeah. And we're actually, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to get into more of the detail about that. I've got it all highlighted right in front of me in your book, Susan. Your book is called Buyer Beware, and uh, where can people get it? On Amazon? Amazon.com, yeah. Okay. So Buyer Beware by Susan Thixton, and her website is truthaboutpetfood.com. Check it out. We'll be back in just a few minutes talking more with Susan Thixton. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. The Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different protein options to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their two stores in Burien and Kirkland, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your door. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. I'm Julie Forbes, and my first choice for my pet's food is the Natural Pet Pantry. It's the educated choice. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to the Northwest School of Animal Massage, we cover the world of living successfully with your animal friends. This week, September 21st, it's Vet Sunday with Dr. Bill Burlingame. We'll have open phone lines throughout the show so you can ask any animal medical care and healing questions. Dr. Bill's an expert on immune support for animals and humans, one of the most knowledgeable vets about the Plechner endocrine immune imbalance and laser therapy. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, AM 11. Hey, dog show fans. Does something stink in your home or car? Pure Air is a powerful odor eliminator that is the only natural food-grade product in its category. It works on bedding, kennels, litter boxes, urine, vomit, poop, even skunk spray. You know, all the fun smells our pets bring into our home. It's so non-toxic that you can literally eat it, a requirement for our home and our dogs. 
Spray pure air on anything you can put water on and let your nose watch the odor disappear. Ask for pure air in stores that specialize in natural, non-toxic products for home. Or visit dogradioshow.com for a link to their website. I'm Julie Forbes, your host of The Dog Show. Pure air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are back talking with Susan Thixton, the founder of TruthAboutPetFood.com and the author of her new book, Buyer Beware, the Crimes, Lies, and Truth About Pet Food. Welcome back, Susan. Glad to be back. All right. So we're talking about um, today. There's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about, about this. I mean, it's crazy. I'm sure you you continue to learn as much as you already know. I'm sure you're learning every day more and more uh, yes, about this, this you, whole you, world. You pull back. It's like layers of an onion. Yeah. So you, know, you keep discovering. Yep. And so and it's it's even many, many onions that have many, many different layers. So the yes. uh, the onion, the stinky, stenchy onion that we're going <laughs> to be talking about today <laughs> okay. is um the regulation and the labeling. Because that's kind of the where it starts. Like like you said. So I have a problem with the labeling. I also like you like you pointed out. I have a problem with the fact that some of these ingredients are even legal or or not or being, you know, not being regulated, you know, that they're that they're even in pet food. First of all, they shouldn't even be available, let alone mislabeled. That's so, right. so, you know, we're talking about the regulations. So who regulate, you know, who what are so it's AFCO and the FDA. AFCO is the um, Association of American Feed Control Officials, which is not a government agency. It is uh, representatives. It is an organization that's been around almost 100 years or a little over 100 years, um, made up of state department, each state's Department of Agriculture. Now, not every state is represented in AFCO, not every state accepts AFCO's development of pet food ingredient definitions, all animal food, actually, ingredient definitions, and all animal food regulations. So inner problem number one, Mm -hmm. we have this organization that is responsible that the FDA accepts flat out their regulations, uh, the nutrient profiles of what all animals' food should be um, labeling everything. FDA says, "You tell me what it should be. We got. We'll we're with you. We'll accept it." Mm-hmm. But then you complicate this matter in that not every single state is on board. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as example, um, Nevada. There's no one in Nevada. You call the State Department of Agriculture and you say, oh, "Man, my pet got sick from this food." There's no one in their State Department of Agriculture that has anything to do with pet food. They just kind of throw their hands up in the air and go, oh, well, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Your state, the state of Washington, 
um, there, uh, and I, I've met several of these people, um, it, your state appears to have people that really do care, mm. okay? But unless, you know, every state is the same, inner, there's problems right there. Right. You know, because each state's got different regulations, and we'll let you do this, and then the next state won't let you do that, and, it, it, you know, so, so there's the problem. One, the, the true government agency that oversees pet food is the FDA. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the FDA, what truly should uh, govern pet food is the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Right. Those laws were developed for all food in the United States, but the FDA does not follow the law. FDA administration developed what they call compliance policies. Right. And these are directives, more or less, for field representatives. And they tell the field representatives, yeah, this is the law, but we're not going to enforce it. This is the law, but you don't really... This is the extent to which you really have to pay attention to the law. Exactly. Yeah, that works. Exactly. So uh, compliance it, policies is yeah. uh, is what you, is kind of what they what they called it, and um, you said that that in your book that the client uh, compliance policies really should not even exist. The law is the law, but not with the FDA. And you gave a um, you gave an example in a conversation that you had with two FDA representatives. Yeah, that was a fun conversation. Yeah, it sounds like it. You said, I shared with them pet owner awareness of FDA compliance policies and pet owners being dumbfounded by these policies. I told them I make the analogy of the local police issuing a statement that, quote, should anyone from one particular neighborhood rob a bank, the police would not prosecute this individual for their illegal actions. And you shared that, in essence, this is what the FDA tells pet food manufacturers. Rob the bank, but we won't arrest you. And the FDA agent told you, we liken it to speeding. And then you said, although I remained composed during this phone conversation, my brain was screaming. And that the FDA considers its own decision to allow horrendous illegal ingredients in pet food similar to speeding, well, like you point out, speeding is illegal, and people actually do get, it is regulated, right, to some degree, you get a ticket. That's right. And speeding cars do kill innocent victims. And it's just, you know, it's just interesting that they, it's like they acknowledged it, but they're like, well, it's not really as bad as robbing a bank. Uh, It's more like speeding. I couldn't believe that they said that. Yeah. My mouth just hung open that that he was just so nonchalant. And and for your listeners, this is so serious in that literally the FDA, the, the term within the industry, it's called 4D animals, four, or meat derived from 4D. And this is an FDA term? Yes. Okay, 4D. Uh, you know, within the industry itself, 4D. Uh, the four Ds are dead animals, Diseased animals, 
dying animals and disabled, disabled animals. Okay, mm-hmm. all of those type of animals are not allowed into human food. And any sane person would think, well, okay, if it's not allowed in human food, then surely that meat or that animal would be destroyed. Mm-hmm. But that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Those animals, uh, thanks to FDA compliance policies, those animals are ground up, cooked, and allowed to be processed into pet food mm-hmm. without consumer knowledge. Back on your issue of the label. Right. There's no, you know, pictures on the front of the label show, you know, choice cuts of lean right. meat. Oh, and, I know. Yeah. You know, all this stuff. Yeah. But that might not necessarily be what's in the label, yeah. inside the bag. Well, and so let's talk about labels for a minute. So... <clears throat> Okay, so there's some campaigns. So I have a little bit of a collection here. Um, it's a binder of ads, pet food ads that I've either ripped out of magazines or the actual labels that I've cut out of the list of ingredients. And then in some cases, like the the front of the bag, which is really what people look at. But I've got these interesting ads. And, and you actually speak to this in the book as well. Okay, pets have been living for people with people for at least 14,000 years. And once they really started living more closely to us and sort of sharing our food source, how that looked was most likely that they, you know, cleaned up our leftovers or ate our leftovers or, you know, ate our quote unquote garbage. But this was when our garbage was, you know, carcasses of animals that were just killed or, you know, overripe at that time, organic fruit and vegetables. And not genetically modified. No, and and not no antibiotics, no hormones, no, you know, all this stuff. We're not talking about processed wheat, um, you know, laced with melamine to boost the the nitrogen content so that, you know, it's like it was just food. Right. And so it's interesting that on the one hand, the pet food companies scare people and they say, don't, you know, don't feed human food. And I have customers, you know, clients of mine for training that, you know, I always ask people what they're feeding their pet because I've seen it have a direct correlation to behavior. Definitely. And, and they, and they say, oh, well, we don't feed him any people food. You know, like that's what I'm thinking that that's what I want to hear. But I'm like, okay, well, you know, that I'm not impressed. And, and so I always, you know, educate them. But it's interesting that they scare people about human food. And at the same time, there's ads, ad campaigns. One of my favorite ones is um, Al's the voice of real dogs. And um, it says, Al says, dogs and strollers, designer dog foods, wake me when it's over. Uh, He thinks it's time for a little common sense. Time to get back to when mud is for tracking, squirrels are for chasing, and bowls are for the meaty-tasting goodness of 100% complete and balanced, blah, 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 real dogs eat meat. Well, there's not really much meat in this food in particular in the first place. But then there's another one. The best, we believe, this is from the same company, we, different formula. We believe the best science is found in nature. And so they've got all this like advertising about we're we're natural and this it one sounds good. This one, like you said, has like the piece of 
red meat, you know, that you would buy from the grocery store and some grain stock and, you know, and then they've got like carrots and peas. And then they've got these pictures of this delicious fresh food. Um, so they're kind of speaking to that in their advertising. But the reality of what's in the food is actually not what they're saying. And at the same time, they're scaring people away from feeding human food. And what you were speaking to in your book, Susan, is that the pet food industry is sort of modeled after that dogs kind of eating the leftovers. But now what they're getting is our industrial waste, basically, from the human food industry. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between leftovers and industrial waste. Right. And and, a huge difference. Yeah. But it is how it all began. Uh, When I was a kid, my grandparents' dogs, they never ate commercial food. Yeah. They ate scraps from the table, mm-hmm. and nobody had cancer, and nobody had kidney disease, and these dogs lived to ripe old ages. Yeah, uh, of course they didn't get vaccinations and other things like that as well too. But yeah. um, it, you know, it, it it is there was actually a campaign developed, and I haven't been able to find much about it, um, uh, find much evidence of it. I, I remember this happening, and it was like in the mid-70s, I think, um, that the Pet Food Institute, which is the lobby organization for uh, big pet food, let's say, Mm. they um, paid veterinarians to say, don't give your dog or cat table food. Don't give them people food. It's dangerous. And they took ads out in uh, Good Housekeeping and Better Homes and Gardens and radio ads and so forth. So they, they literally programmed. Yep. We have been brainwashed. Mm-hmm. And and it's, it is interesting how they say, oh, don't feed people food. But if you look at these labels, it's people food on the front of it. Yeah. You know, don't feed real food. Feed this pulverized stuff that has been ground to where it is no longer recognizable. Right. In any way, shape, or form. It's kind of, it's interesting that there's even this whole concept of pet food versus people food when pet food comes from the human food industry. It's not like it's like, it's not like there's these different foods that exist on earth that only pets eat. It's the same food. I mean, it's the same stuff. If you look, it's not like some different molecular makeup that's digestible only by animals, it's the same food. So the fact that there's even a classification, you know, people think, oh, you know, people food versus pet food, it's all made out of the same stuff. It's just that the pet food is actually the waste from the industry, and it's bad news. Well, some of them are, to be fair. Some of them, yes. Thank you. There are foods, the, the, the challenging part for a pet owner, because of the regulations, and this is AFCO regulation. Mm-hmm. Because of the regulations, you walk into a pet store and you're thinking, okay, I heard this woman on the radio and I, I want a food that's all human grade. I don't want, you know, any rendered euthanized animals in there. There is absolutely regulations do not allow mm-hmm. for a quality minded pet food manufacturer to put on their label, we use. USDA approved meats. Yep. Now, Susan, hold that thought. I want to pick up right where we're leaving off, but we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking more with Susan Thixton, who is the author of Buyer Beware, 
The Crimes, Lies, and Truth About Pet Food. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. I'm Dixie, the tiny dog. And I wear a bright silver collar that says I belong to the Johnsons at 519 Nut Lane, but it's not true. You see, the Johnsons, they don't own me. They just feed me, and I think I like it that way. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice, jetcityanimalclinic.com. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's Dog Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. Following the herd is fine until they lead you off a cliff. Think for yourself. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. My name is Dixie and I go dancing across the floor in the evening of the Johnsons when everyone's sleeping. Sometimes I look for a morsel of food but they're so clean they're almost anal retentive in their cleanliness habits and there's nothing for me. But I don't despair because I know tomorrow my Gainsburgers will be there and they will unravel. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk 1150 AM. We're back with Susan Thixton, author of Buyer Beware and founder of TruthAboutPetFood.com. Welcome back, Susan. Thank you. Well, I was um, saying, I think I was posting on our Facebook fan page how I was looking forward. This was a few weeks ago how I was, when I was getting ready to start reading the book in preparation for today. And I was saying that I was looking forward to sinking my teeth into the book. And I have to tell you, it's not going down easy. Yeah. So, yeah. so we were yeah. talking. We were talking about um, the regulations and the enforcement, and how you had said. And it's weird. It's kind of a weird, like uh, a weird phenomenon that you are allowed to lie. Okay. So it says 
Uh, where is that quote? It says it's in the regulations um, where they're basically allowed to say whether it be direct or indirect um, statement. Pet food labels are allowed to make a direct or indirect unqualified right. claim. Unqualified claim, right. So, right. which you said is polite for lie. Well, of course, a right. direct, unqualified claim, uh, personally, yeah, I would consider yeah. that a lie. I would interpret that wording as lying as well. And yeah. so, and that's written, that's written, a direct, unqualified claim is part of the, it's AFCO regulation PF7, nutritional adequacy. Quote, the label of a pet food or specialty pet food, which is intended for all life stages of the pet or specialty pet, may include an unqualified claim, either directly or indirectly. And this would be something uh, to the effect of quality nutrition for a long and healthy life. Right. Proactive um, nutrition for a long and healthy life, nutritionally complete for healthy body weight. Yeah, they have right. all sorts of wording. Yes. So, now, um, and and imagine if the same was allowed in human food. Yeah. Imagine if a fast food restaurant was able to say their hamburger and and French fry and soda meal for children was optimal nutrition for healthy body weight. Yeah. It, it, it can't happen. Right. But it it is allowed. <clears throat> to occur in pet food. Okay. So so they're allowed to say what's not true, but they're not allowed to say what is true in the <laughs> sense of the the and you made a very good point. I'm glad that you said this. That there are, you know, pet food companies out there that do make a, a good quality food. And you know, I just spoke with a, one of one example of that I just interviewed Scott Freeman who's the owner of Nature's Logic Food. Um and, you know, it sounds like that's a really great food. I've fed that to my own dogs. They seem to do very well on it. And I've actually talked with the owner. And, and, you know, it's like, so there are a lot of good foods on the market, but they're not allowed to separate themselves in a way that's clear to consumers from the foods that are not mindful of, you know, not using byproducts and, you know, artificial preservatives and ethoxyquin and, and all this all this stuff. That's right. And that yes, they it's want int- all the labels to look alike. Yeah, and it's interesting that they will regulate that. They yes. will they will regulate. Oh, you're not supposed to say human grade on the bag of food. Naughty naughty. Actually, the Honest Kitchen pet food company, um, they when they went this was three, four years ago maybe, uh, when they brought their product into the state of Ohio. On their label, it does say human-grade ingredients. Mm -hmm. And the state of Ohio said, absolutely not. You can't sell your product here because that's against regulations. And the Honest Kitchen took them to court, and they won. Now, so the exception to that, uh, any reference to greater quality of ingredient, is if a pet food is manufactured in a human food processing facility. Right. And mo- most of them aren't. Most of them aren't. There's, yeah. there's only two that I am aware of, which is a company called People Food, F-U-D, and The Honest Kitchen. Yeah. 
Well, so, so, and this, you know, if, like you said, I mean, if this is the first time you've heard this information, I wish we were making this up. I really do. I wish that it, I wish that it wasn't true, but it is, and it's actually in writing. You can go to the FDA website, to the AFCO website, and you can look up these regulations, and you can see in writing that they actually say this this stuff. You know, the the um, direct unqualified claim. It's fine, and it's you can find that it's not. We're not just making this up. So, why does? So I have a question. Why does the FDA, this is a question you state in your book, why does the FDA give pet food manufacturers permission to violate federal law and include horrendous ingredients in pet foods unbeknownst to pet owners? We can only assume the answer is money. And so, you know, you go on to talk about how the FDA has chosen to provide industry a sales slash profit outlet for waste, which is what we were talking about. Pet food is basically human food industry waste. Um, some. Some. Pet food. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, and so it's money. And you, on page 27 of your book, you gave an example of actually how this looks. And we unfortunately have an example locally here with another company. Um, and it has to do with a, an, actually an organization that I really love um, involved with therapy dogs. Uh, but there is, and I, you know what I'm talking about, yes, too. Yes, I do. Um, so here's how it works. And will you, will you kind of illuminate this for us, too? Because I've got this all. It's on page 27 of your book. Okay. The Conflict of Interest. Consumeraffairs.com journalist Lisa Wade McCormick has reported that over the last two years, the FDA has received hundreds of complaints from pet owners, all linked to Nutro Pet Food. Now, this is an example. Consumeraffairs.com obtained through the Freedom of Information Act copies of consumer complaints to the FDA regarding sick and dying pets that consumed Nutro Pet Food. The FDA confirmed to ConsumerAffairs.com that it is investigating the pet food company. So, despite the above, there has been no recall. Neutro Pet Food is owned by Mars, Inc. And this is the case with most large pet food companies, is that they're owned by an even larger company. Like Hills, right. Hills Science Diet is actually owned by Colgate Palmolive, for example. Okay, so... So then it turns out that um, a Mars scientist sits on the advisory committee science board to the FDA. And so they talk about this conflict of interest and how they say that, you know, they're they're going to recruit qualified experts with minimal conflicts of interest for the advisory committee. But actually, they're from these companies. It sounds like a very unethical relationship. Of course, yeah, and and the same uh, unethical relationships, in my opinion, is with AFCO. They have a pet food committee, and they have advisors to the pet food committee, yeah. and uh, members of the Pet Food Institute sit on the advisory board to AFCO. I sat at the meeting, their mid-year meeting, in January. And um, 
the first day was a, a workshop for it was a labeling workshop it uh, basically for like say a manufacturer a new manufacturer is wanting to produce a pet food or a treat and it, you were there to to learn labeling things mm-hmm. so this is my first experience with these these regulators and they put on this workshop and I sat there and they'd have uh, uh, an employee of Neutro come up and teach a segment, and they'd cut up and they'd be on first names. The buddy-buddy the mm-hmm. of regulators yeah. and industry. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And, as you know, okay, no need in being enemies. That's fine. You might as well be friendly. I get that. However, on this pet food committee... There is not one person on the advisory board that is a consumer representative or right. advocate. Right. Not one. Yeah, well, um, we're going to take a quick break and talk more about this aspect of the pet food industry. We're talking with Susan Thixton, who's the author of Buyer Beware, The Crimes, Lies, and Truth About Pet Food. You're listening to The Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. We'll be busy. Pure Air's powerful formula lets you eliminate pet odors safely. It's strong enough to effectively get rid of smells like urine, plus stronger odors like those that can be caused by illness. Pure Air is safe enough to spray directly onto people, animals, or use in the bath or laundry. Pure Air is perfect for dealing with dire situations, refreshing your dog between baths, or just before company comes. Pure Air is the most effective product you can buy to remove stinky pet odors safely. Find it at stores like Mud Bay, McClendon's, and Natural Pet Pantry, or visit their website, pureair.com. That's pure, A-Y-R-E, dot com. I'm Julie Forbes, host of The Dog Show. Pure Air is the only odor eliminator you'll find in my home. You'll love it. Hi, this is Craig Walker, owner and lead technician at Coho Computer in Issaquah. Tune in Saturdays at noon right after Manson Mitchell for Tech Talk with Craig. We'll touch on the latest tech news, interview special guests, and take your calls. Tech Talk with Craig, Saturdays from noon to one, right here on Alternative Talk 1150. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior. Behavior Training and Nutrition Specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. More choices, more topics, more shows. One station. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and we are talking with Susan Thixton, author of Buyer Beware. Welcome back, Susan. Thank you. Time flies. Time flies when you're talking about pet food. That's for sure. <laughs> it does. Okay, so um, so we were talking about the 
you know, how does this happen? Okay, so we've got all we've been talking all show about these lack of regulations, how they're basically like in writing. These this is the law. And this is really our expectations about how you comply to the law. I mean, that's not laws are meant to be followed. Right? Uh, that's correct. And they're it, it in is- it's not the FDA within their authority to pick and choose right. which laws they enforce. Right, but they do. And um, they do. And then we were talking about a recall, or not a recall, I'm sorry, the lack of a recall, but about all of these, um, you know, this information from Consumer Affairs that was saying, well, we've had all these consumers getting in touch with us about their sick and dying pets, and this is what's at stake. This is the impact that this is having is that pets are getting sick and dying as a result of this. This is how serious this is. And this is why when you share this sentiment, this is personal. Don't mess with the health of my pet and don't try to lie to me about what's in the food. And if it's going to make my pet sick and potentially shorten my pet's life, I'm going to take that personally and I don't accept it. So, um, and that the somebody on the the scientific uh okay FDA advisory committee science board happens to have somebody from Mars which is the company that owns Neutro which is probably why there hasn't been any follow up or any sort of recall perhaps well, we can only assume that we can only know, since they assume they have, have not given us any other reasoning right now that, that would be the logical assumption yes now something else that's sort of in that FDA Advisory Committee Science Board. It's the scientist, Catherine Watecki, expertise, nutrition and food safety. Well, apparently not. If the food <laughs> is making pets sick to the extent that Consumer Affairs is like, hey, we've had so many people get in touch with us because their pets are sick and dying. So I would question actually the qualification because apparently something's not working especially if the expertise is supposed to be in food safety. But that's kind of the nature of the beast. So what, okay, so I always tell people, biggest thing you can do is where you go to buy your pet's food. Do not buy anything marketed that's edible for pets in a grocery store. Treats. I agree with that. Treats or, um, or food, food related, canned food or dried food, because I'll tell you, in my opinion, it's all garbage. You got to be real careful if you're going to a pet superstore. I recommend, unfortunately, in the Seattle area, there are tons of small neighborhood, natural, mindful pet stores like all the best pet care that have a commitment to not carrying anything in the store. They won't even let it through the doors if it has animal byproducts or wheat or corn or Artificial preservatives are all these nasties that we've kind of been talking about. I've met so many, uh, met via my website, so many independent pet store owners. And I have to tell you, I'm so impressed mm-hmm. uh, with with the majority of these people. They do know their stuff. I, and I completely agree with you that, um, you know, if I, I make my own pet food, but if I was buying a commercial food, I would not go anywhere else but a, a, an independent. Yep. 
Uh, we have a, one of our advertisers on the show is the Natural Pet Pantry, too, which is also carried at all the best pet care. But they're a locally made raw food company, and you can actually go to the small little facility. You can see how clean it is. You can see how they handle the food, and you can see exactly what goes in the food. It's actual food. Because even if you're reading the list of ingredients, I mean, you don't really know. What does it mean? You don't really know what's in the food. And there's so much that doesn't have to be put in there if it's not added in, in the facility. I mean, there's all these loopholes. And like you said, there's there's nobody representing the consumer. And the laws and the regulations are out to protect the companies. And, And this was true when I was talking with someone from the Natural Resources Defense Council about flea. Uh, a certain flea collar that's still on the market that's the chemical has been banned by the EPA for household use because it's so toxic and yet it's still in flea collars one harming pets but two there's kids touching the pets and then putting it you know I mean it's just ridiculous so what do you think in the last minute that we have Susan two minutes well and we got to wrap up so basically minute what's it going to take to change this in 60 seconds go I've got a campaign coming out with the July newsletter that I'm hopeful that many, many pet owners across the United States will help me with, and this will be our first step of really a strong lobby effort to AFCO, Mm. and it's to get grade of ingredient information on labels. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of mapped out this whole thing. Uh, Other than that, keep asking questions of manufacturers learn a few ingredient definitions, uh, call your congressman why are, and ask them. You know, these people are in Congress on our tax dollars. Mm. They should, Congress is the FDA's boss. Mm-hmm. Keep writing your congressman and say, mm. these FDA compliance policies should be illegal. Mm-hmm. Why is that happening? Yep. Do something about it. Stop right. this. And get Susan's book, Buyer Beware, You can get it on Amazon.com, The Crimes, Lies, and Truth About Pet Food. And you can also check out her website, truthaboutpetfood.com. She's got a newsletter. She's got an article about pretty much anything you can imagine. Um, And this, people, this is not even the first 30 pages of her book that we've been talking about today on the show. (laughs) So there's a ton of information in here. It's really going to make sense. And it's also really going to make it personal because you're going to see pictures of dogs that have Um, dogs and cats that have died as a result of contaminated pet food. Susan, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to having you back in the future. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a team effort. I have to say it's a team effort of people all over the world. Um, I'm I'm just lucky to be the spokesperson. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks so much for listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150.